Hi everybody, welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans and I'm your weight loss coach, health strategist and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. I'm in the car, it's early Saturday morning, it's pitch black and I'm uh, heading for a nice workout. Uh, my voice might sound a little different today. Uh, I've picked up a, a little bit of a cold, it seems, from uh, one of my clients. Pretty sure I know which one it was, too. Um, but I'm, I feel like I had a really good night's sleep last night. Uh, but today, I wanted to talk about death. And uh, if you're a long-term listener, you might be worried about my daughter right now. She's okay. Um, she's home. She's out of ICU. And she is not quite herself still. The medication seems to be wearing off. Um, I haven't seen her in person the last couple of days, but she's been uh, with her mum. Uh, but they're spending uh, the next five, six days with me. Uh, so we will uh, we will see. Um, she's doing better. She's doing better. So thanks for all your support, everybody. I do appreciate it. It's really nice of you. Uh, but when it comes to death, the reason I'm talking about this is I was on a, a coaching call uh, last night uh, with my coach and uh, his a father uh, just passed away. And he was only in his uh, mid-60s, I think, at 64, something like that. And looked at, you could feel the emotion um, in him. He has kind of a, an estranged relationship with his parents. Um, they're both alcoholics. Uh, both said that he would never make it to, you know, to be anything. He was a stutterer as a kid. And he's used all that to uh, make himself a, a better version of himself. And you know, he's well on the way to being um, a billionaire if he's not already there. And incredibly successful. He's had a, an amazing impact on my life. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for him. And I'm talking about JT Fox. And I'm just so grateful for my mindset in wanting to grow because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have found him. And when I met him, I wouldn't have said, yep, yeah, this this is the person for me. This is exactly what I need. So I'm grateful for that. But listening to him last night, um, like I said, his, his relationship with his parents, he's from Canada, he lives in the US now, they're still in Canada. He says his two sisters uh, on you know, like welfare and uh, his... Um, yeah, it's just a, so- a sorry state of affairs, I suppose. And... Um, they kind of all just use him for his money. And so his mum passed away first, I think, don't quote me, but um, 62, 64, they're both around that, that same age, alcoholics, uh, body shut down, cancer, etc. Um, so really sad when you lose your parents. I don't remember what it was like when I lost uh, d- dad on the being your last parent, it means something different compared to when you lose your first parent. 
Mum was 66, Dad was about 77. I think I'm about to sneeze, so excuse me if a random sneeze comes. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, and one of my clients just uh, recently attended the funeral of um, an incredibly successful person. Uh, he uh, was the original founder of Metricon Homes, age 70 or 72, something like that. Um, uh, you know, a history of some mental health issues and yeah, the Metricon is under the microscope at the moment. They're having some, you know, some cash flow issues, but uh, because of just the supply chain issues, the amount of time that things are taking uh, to get done now. And you know, they're the biggest builder in Australia, domestic builder. They build some stuff for government and everything as well. So, you know, like over 5,000 homes a year or something. Um, very successful, incredibly successful business. And he killed himself at age 70 or 72. And so he attended a funeral and um, I was asking him what, you know, what was the funeral like and so forth. There's like a thousand people there. And he said, what an incredible man and everything that he'd, he'd done. And this is one of those things, uh, I think in, in life, in death, when you attend someone's funeral, you often don't know their full story. You don't know all of the amazing things that they've done. That's the sad thing about a funeral. And you think, wow, if only I perhaps knew that person or knew them in this context, then perhaps you would have done something different with them. Maybe it would have been a different discussion and then who knows. But I think when when death happens that's that's near you or close to you then it does always make me reflect on my own my own life and uh, you know am I am I living my best self am I doing enough could I be doing more if I died now would I have any regrets would I be thinking gosh if only I had done this I've always wanted to do this, and I haven't. And I think this is the, the greatest regret that you can have in life is if you're on your deathbed and you look back and you say, gosh, I wish I had time to do ABC, you know, write a book, change profession, um, change relationship, get into a relationship, ask somebody a question, tell somebody how you felt if you stepped outside your comfort zone, if you'd only looked after your body a little bit more, if only you had looked after your health a little bit more, only if only you had stopped drinking, if only you had stopped smoking, if only you had whatever it is. So a couple of days ago, as I said, don't dwell on past regrets. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets of not doing things, of not pushing myself. And I think uh, 13 years ago was, well, it's probably 15 years ago, I made the decision to have a career change because I had 
said to myself, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, golly, if only I had tried running my own health and fitness business, what would that have been like? I wonder where my life would be right now if only I had stepped outside my comfort zone and decided to run my own business. Don't like, don't think about those things and just do them. That's what I did. So I just don't want to have any regrets like that. I want to be able to live my life to the full or fullest and know that I, maybe I tried and I failed, but at least I tried. Another one for me was my book. Like for years, I just had it there on the side. So I'm just going to take a drink. Constantly just pushing out the year. And I've said this before, never set 31 December as a deadline for something. If anything, make it the 27th or make it a different month. Uh, because what I was doing is saying, oh, I'll be the 31st of December. I can't even remember the year that I started. Probably 2016. And then I said, nah, well, I'll do it 2017. And then it was 2018. And what that did was it, it just immobilized me. Because I thought, oh, I've got such a, a long period of time. I won't have to do any work on it until now. And then when I did work on it, I wasn't consistent with it. But when I started my business, I thought, yeah, I was a, maybe a couple of years into it, and I thought, yeah, maybe I should write a book. And there's a lot of reasons to write a book and many more reasons probably not to write a book, especially if you're going to get it published. Uh, but uh, for me, it was one of those things. I said, I, I don't want to go to my grave having all these great ideas and great knowledge in my head and not getting it out and not getting it in a book. And then an online program was an extension of that. And I thought, you know, I was probably years late in getting that done as well. And I think then when it comes to relationships, I was in a, a marriage that was more like a business relationship, I suppose. It was, a, it was a passionless relationship. And I didn't want my kids to grow up in that type of environment. And now you could argue, well... You know, I'm single. I've had a few relationships since. Uh, am I teaching the kids the right thing now? Uh, because now they're seeing me not in a relationship. Their mum's not in a relationship either. Uh, they're not really seeing how to be in an effective relationship. So my youngest daughter, she says, like, I don't want to be in a relationship because I see what it's done, um, you know, what it's been like for you. And my eldest, um, she probably will because she's pretty pretty level-headed, but I didn't want them to, I would rather them see what it is now and how you can be independent and incredibly happy and live a life full of everything that you want and stand on your own and make your own money, like I run my own business, I rely on no one else, I do it all myself and I can make a success of that. Um, So I think showing them that side I think is awesome. Uh, the relationship side, well, yeah, I haven't really 
nailed that one for them yet, but maybe I will one day, who knows. Uh, but I didn't want them to see me on the other side of uh, you know, just living in a passionless relationship where I was really unhappy, it was wearing me down, and them just accepting that, well, if that's me, I need to do that too, even though you know, I was working on a relationship and, and all those sorts of things. Um, so again, I said, I don't want to live like this. And it was like a six and a half year in the making decision to uh, decide to finally leave the marriage after working on it for so long. But again, it was a massive decision and I didn't want to have the regret of just staying there for the sake of the kids because the kids will always know, newsflash, the kids will always know if you're not happy, even if you fake it. Um, so I think these are, are times, and I, like I sent, I sent him a, a message this morning. Um, he doesn't like long messages and he won't make a post on it. Um, he doesn't, you know, doesn't believe in, in doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, he, is, he is hurting and it's never easy to lose a parent despite how they may have treated you or whatever. There's a, an element of you that dies with uh, the passing of your, your parents. It can be really tough uh, because now, like in my case, like I have a brother, uh, we're not really close. Um, you know, if we were to catch up today, we'd, you know, talk and have conversation and stuff, but we're, we're just not close. He lives, uh, you know, on the other side of town to me. Uh, we, so about an hour away. Um, we don't have a lot in common. Um, we don't mix in the same circles or anything. Probably different, different values and beliefs on some, on some level, different lifestyles for sure. And... Yeah, we just don't, we don't really connect. So I, I, my mum and dad have passed on, or my grandparents have passed on. Uh, my, my cousins, some of them have passed on. I don't, um, I don't associate with them either as such. We just have nothing in common. You know, very, very different people. And look, honestly, I, I don't believe that just because you're related through blood that you should stay connected if you, you know, don't share the same sort of energy, uh, the same sort of values and beliefs and, um, you know, moral compass. Uh, so, uh, you know, that means that in some ways you've got your freedom to, to live your life on your, your own terms and make your own connections and create your own energy and so forth uh, that's sometimes impeded by these anchors that you can carry around with your family and so forth. But... Um, I think uh, when when there is death surrounding you, I think it's a it's an opportunity for a couple of things. One, if the person is close, you can reflect on their life, and you can reflect on the great things that have happened in their life. Because it doesn't matter whose life it is, I'm sure there's been great things in their life at some point. And in my parents' case, for instance, uh, when when Dad passed. Um, I recorded a podcast on Rob Evans 365. No idea what day it was now, um, but you'll be able to work backwards if you want to search for it. Uh, if you search Rob Evans 365 and you search for the word earthquake, um, I was recording a, a podcast uh, on at the moment that we had an earthquake when I was standing in the Bali airport on the way home. 
and uh, you can hear the earthquake, uh, you can hear me talk about it. Uh, if you backtrack a few days from now, I can't remember what I would have called it, uh, but you'll find it there. And there was a moment where, um, I'll give you some background. Uh, my parents lived in Bendigo. Uh, I live in Melbourne. Uh, from where I live right now, oh, if I was to leave right now, for instance, because it's, it's dark and it's not peak hour, it would probably take me about two hours, 15 minutes to get there. If it's in peak hour, it could be close to three hours. Um, and so when my, uh, my dad was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so mum had passed on for about eight years or so, and um, you know, some things were happening with dad. He was living in his home, and uh, just some, we had a couple of crazy weeks where it looked like mm, so dad's just not quite right. He started to lose his mind, and there was just something one night I decided that I would go up to Bendigo and uh, there was this, you know, you get a feeling sometimes. So I went up on a Friday night and I stayed the night. I got up the next morning, maybe it was a Thursday. And let's put it this way, if I wasn't there, the house would have been burnt down uh, because dad uh, put some porridge on the stove, uh, the old electric cooktop. And he just went out and did a whole bunch of things outside and forgot about it. And so I was, I think, did I come out of the shower or something like that? And you know when you're just standing somewhere and it takes you a couple of seconds to realise what's going on? I remember coming out and stepping into the kitchen. It's like, where's, why is it filled with smoke? And where's it all coming from? Like, I mean, the whole kitchen was filled with this thick, thick smoke that you could barely see. And then I realized what Dad had done. Um, so I took it off the stove. I uh, filled it with water. Dad came in. He's looking around. And he said um, something like, is my porridge ready? And I said, Dad, we've got to get out of the house. So he went out of the house and we sat on the front. I opened everything up and I said, Dad, do you remember what happened? He said, no. And that was the moment, the last moment that he really spent in the house. And so we got him some into a temporary, actually he went to hospital. And then he, um, some temporary home accommodation and then we got him as, a, if you like, a, a permanent residency in an, old, um, an aged care facility. He went into a, a particular part of the aged care facility, but then he was trying to, well, I'll say, escape. He just didn't know where he was. You know, he was just being random. He'd ring me, and it was sort of cute in some ways. He'd ring me and say, "Oh, Rob, I've, I've been on this amazing train ride," and I'm like, "Okay, did they take him out somewhere today?" I said, "Oh, tell me about that, Dad." He said, "Yeah, it was. You know, we." Um, we hopped on this train last night and, you know, there was, you know, this, it was silver. I'd ask him this question, I'd say, what colour was it? So I'd realise that uh, he, I didn't know what he was, you know, really saying and he, he really believed it, but it was just the old songs. I said, oh, what colour was it? He said, oh, it was silver. And I said, oh, did it have any writing on the side? He said, yeah, and, it, and, and, you know, he would tell me something. And it would be, you know, like the name of the house or like the old house he used to live in. Or it would be, you know, something else. And he'd tell me about the people that were on the train and where they went and uh, then certain things that wouldn't 
uh, you know, makes sense. Like the train was going down the road and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But he was in such a beautiful place in his head. And it was just all the different things. He used to travel on the train. Um, he loved bike si- uh, road cycling, um, the Tour de France. He used to be a professional cyclist. Um, different friends, things with mum's experiences, etc. And all of them would kind of collide and he'd make up these amazing stories. And it was quite nice because he was really happy about it and excited about it. But of course, through that, that whole process, uh, we had to arrange for the sale of his house. So it was just my brother and himself. And uh, for me, because I, you know, being the, the old chartered accountant and everything, anything to do with my brother, he was uh, money and stuff. He was like, oh, hey, you can do it. You're the accountant kind of thing. It's like, you don't have to be an accountant to sell someone's house and do all this kind of stuff. But anyway, all that uh, turned to me. So for the t- some time leading up to when we had to arrange the sale of the house, uh, I was a power of attorney, um, so I took care of everything for Dad in terms of paying his bills, etc., etc., communicating with all the people, organising his appointments from the home, etc. So that when it came to, to sell the house, I had to organise the agents, um, about staging the house, uh, cleaning the house, um, you know, a lot of work in the garden. Uh, Dad was a hoarder, there was so much stuff, so we arranged for the sale of the house, then we needed to arrange for the clear out of the house and a number of garage sales, etc, etc. And I was travelling, I was working uh, like seven days a week for about, I think about 45 to 50 days straight, might have been 52 days actually, that rings a bell. So I would finish work on a Friday night, I would travel up to Bendigo either Friday night or I would go up there very early Saturday morning and I would work all day Saturday, whether it was like gardening work, pulling out weeds, tidying stuff up. The number of skip-ins that we went through would blow your mind uh, to just throw out rubbish and stuff. Um, I would sleep on the floor Saturday night and I would get up early uh, Saturday morning. I would work um, up until mid-afternoon and then I would um, so that the skip could be picked up by Monday morning and then I would travel travel back home and I would start work again Monday and I'd work all through the week like 10-12 hour days probably at the time and then I would do the same thing again on Friday, the next Friday so it was very intense and then um, I went dad passed we had done uh, the sale of the home and all of that and then it was about executing the will and uh, just everything that has to happen as a result of that and one of the things that I didn't realize because I was power of attorney and dad had allowed for excess money to be in his bank account for emergencies and so forth what I didn't realise was that when someone dies and even though you're power of attorney, everything gets frozen. And so I thought, okay, we'll be okay when dad passes because I'll still have access to his account to be able to pay for you know, the funeral costs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that when I spoke to his solicitor, they said, no, you can't touch it. So then I had to, um, so at the time my brother you know, had no money to, to put into it, so I had to pay for all the, the little bits and pieces. Now, Dad had a, a 
prepaid funeral, but there were a bunch of other things that just taking care of all that. And it was at a time when I was uh, putting off clients and postponing them because of the amount of time that I was spending in Bendigo, etc., organizing all that. And it was a really, really, uh, you know, a more difficult time for me um, because of everything that I had to do. Uh, physically, it was taking its toll. Emotionally, it was taking its toll because in all of this, I'd lost my dad as well. Um, financially, it was putting some pressure on. I was thinking a couple of things had collided at the same time uh, with um, just my travel and um, not being able to be there as much uh, for clients. And you know, just you know, I was just being pulled in a few different directions. And it was... Golly, dad passed away, I think it was about four or five months after, I think it was five actually, after that until the will finally settled. And there was a whole bunch of things that needed to be done in between. And it was just a really slow process. And then after the five months, uh, then I was able to get access to, um, the, uh, you know, dad's money to pay for the, you know, the bills that I paid for, etc. Um, but it was you know, just a really, really tough time. So then... What I decided to do at the end of all this was take a trip to Bali. And so I went to Bali and this particular day, I just decided to go and record a podcast. And uh, I remember finding a place, a gorgeous place, I still remember where it was, uh, it's in a public park, no one around, amazing palm trees, beautiful climate, like nicely manicured gardens and everything, like it was really magnificent. And I thought today's the day that I'm going to talk about everything. So I laid on the grass, I laid on my back, and I just hit record. Now you can go and listen to that podcast and hear what I talked about. But essentially what I did was, for the first time, I reflected on everything that I'd been going through and what it meant to lose dad and mum. And now, having lost both my parents, uh, the whole family dynamic was you know, now changed and what it meant for me. And one of the things that I reflected on was in the moments in, in death, you can easily focus on the loss and how you won't have that person in your life again. And of course, that, that can be really sad depending on the relationship that you have with the person. However, <clears throat> the opposite is also true. And that is remembering the amazing life that they had and certainly when it's a parent, sorry, I've got to have a drink, got a croaky throat. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> still croaky. And what I did was I reflected on mum and dad and said, well, there were certain parts about mum and dad, <coughs> part of me, that I didn't like, uh, which is normal for probably any person. Uh, but there were... A bunch of um, things about them that I did love and I looked at the great parts that were in both of them and said well that still lives on through me and even though they've gone the great parts of them still live through me so mum was a very motivated person she was always looking at uh, things to change make her better in some ways just not every way uh, and that fights in me you know, well, I say fight, lives on in me. Uh, Dad was a very patient, calm man. That lives on through me. Mum was a bit crazy. Um, that doesn't live through me. <laughs> Does through my daughter, but not through me. 
uh, and uh, I think about those things and how important they are to me knowing that well I got those from mum and dad and if there's stuff that you don't like about the the person that you don't want to take on well don't take those things on and I think about how I can share the memory of of mum and dad with my kids so that they remember things about them I think what is the sad thing about it is that my kids only got to see parts of my parents when they were younger and so there's only parts that they can recollect which is sad because I think a grandparent brings so much, so much amazing, or so many amazing gifts that a parent just doesn't bring. And so I think, you know, if they miss out on that, then they do miss out. And, you know, that's sad. Uh, so, you know, death, death is, uh, is one of those things where it does make you reflect on, on yourself and your life and how you're living it. And if it's someone close, you can feel like, oh, your life is now over. Or you could say the opposite, now my life starts to live. Because maybe you need to stand up and have a bigger role in your family life. Maybe you are now free. I know one thing that I carried around for many years. If, if we were ever somewhere, like mum was always the one that was the loudest, if you like. Uh, dad was often quiet. And I think over years he'd just kind of been beaten up to say, well, I'll just agree with whatever mum says and, you know, just leave it at that. And I think I probably became that person as well uh, where I wouldn't say stuff. And mum would always be the voice for the family kind of thing. And when I started my business, this was one of the things that I think held me back um, I was very passionate about what I did, but I, I couldn't get those words out. And I wasn't excited in explaining uh, what I did to people. And people couldn't see it because I think I'd kind of trained my whole life to live in this sedated state. And once both mum and dad had gone, I thought, no, I need to do this differently. Well, particularly when mum had gone. And I think maybe I lived in her shadows uh, for a long time. And now I think she'd be very proud of who I am. And I think I would be you know, closer to the, the end of her life. Uh, I started to change. And um, you know, I wouldn't allow her to just, I'll say, I'll verbally walk all over me or feel impeded by her personality or anything like that. Uh, but for many years I probably... 30 years I've probably lived like that and so you know some of these things only come out when somebody passes on and you realise who you need to be to be the best version of you and sometimes that's when people pass that you have that great realisation to say wow I'm not living the life that I really should and that was certainly true for me and you know my heart goes out to JT um, because this is a this is a tough transition and if you're so successful and you feel like your your family is on a, another level and they're just using you then then that's tough that's really tough um, I say you know you've got to separate yourself from that stuff because it's you, know, you don't need it you don't need it in your life so maybe it's time for you to reflect maybe you, some of what I've said today resonates with you and you can you know, step up for yourself, 
have some change in your life that helps move you from where you are to where it is that you want to be. Maybe there's something that's holding you back. Maybe there's something that you're not doing that you know you should and you just don't have the guts to do it. Well, I say, you know, the toughest decisions for me have required a lot of effort. But on the other side of making those decisions, life has been amazing. Even though there's been so much uncertainty and being scared on one side of it, once you do it, you step on the other side, it's amazing. And yeah, is it hard? Is there pain? But yeah, that's like any success journey. But if you're made of the right stuff, you will do it no matter what. It's worth it. It really is. So let's create the better version of you. And that's what I'm about to do right now. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a cold, but I'm going in to do a workout. Okay, I don't recommend it if you're feeling dizzy and you've got the flu and stuff. That's not not sensible, especially in this climate at spreading viruses and stuff. Um, I have a little head cold. Well, it's not even in my head. Uh, it's just um, in the, the back of my throat. I have done a COVID test just in case uh, you want to tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. Uh, but it's about pushing as well. Uh, so it's a short workout. Um, I'm going to get in there and then get on with the rest of my Saturday because I've got a busy, a busy morning ahead and into the afternoon. So stay safe, stay healthy. If you're listening and you've recently lost one, my heart goes out to you too. Find the greatness from this moment to make you a better you. See you tomorrow.